Guys, welcome to the J. Scott Outdoors podcast. This is going to be a great episode with Jason Phelps of Phelps Game Calls, and this is going to be a four-part series, and we're going to go everything, go over everything from the mechanics of uh, how to make a, a, a sound out of a diaphragm. We're going to go through uh, how to make a sound out of an external reed, a bugle, uh, and then we're going to get even more advanced. We're going to talk about the actual characteristics of each call and how the calls are made and how the calls are stretched. Uh, we're going to talk about the little tricks of the trade of how to make each individual call sound better. Um, and Jason's going to do a lot of demonstrating for us on cow calling, uh, how he likes to bugle, uh, how he likes to chuckle, how he likes to grunt. And so this is going to be a great four-part series. And I know the listeners, are gonna, you guys are going to get a, a great, bill, great bit of uh, uh, value out of it. So I'm looking forward to sharing it with you. Uh, before we get to that, I want to thank my sponsors. Uh, I want to thank uh, GoHunt.com uh, Insider. And I want to announce that there's a real special... Uh, promo that uh, GoHunt.com Insider is doing for the J. Scott Podcast listeners. And that is, it's a 30-day free trial exclusive for the J. Scott uh, Outdoors Podcast listeners. All you have to do is go to GoHunt.com forward slash J. Scott and click on the blue free trial button. And go through the steps. It only takes a couple of minutes. You will be required to provide a credit card, but they will not be charged until after the free 30 days. You can cancel any time within the first 30 days to prevent being charged. If you guys have any questions at all about the free trial at uh, Go Hunt, you can go to free trial at GoHunt.com and someone from the Go Hunt team will promptly respond. So this is your opportunity. If you've been listening over the last uh, year about me talking about uh, GoHunt.com Insider, this is your chance for a 30-day free trial to go on and check out the filtering 2.0 system, check out the draw odds, check out how they do get their harvest statistics, check out the mapping, check out how they can break down each unit, um, it, and uh, check for the local area services. You basically have a free run at uh, checking out uh, the unbelievable resource at Go Hunt Insider. So uh, again, go to gohunt.com forward slash jscott, click on the blue free trial button and go through the steps. And uh, it's a free trial. So go check it out. I want to thank gohunt.com Insider for their sponsorship. Uh, they've been the title sponsor of my podcast since the beginning. I would also like to uh, thank Western Hunter and Elk Hunter magazines. They also have a promotion going right now. If you go to westernhunter.net forward slash jscott and enter your, you'll be prompted to go to a page. When you get to that page, it'll say enter an email address. If you enter your email address, uh, you'll be entered into the drawing. They're giving away July 15th, a uh, $1,500 credit towards Swarovski Optics through another sponsor of the J. Scott Outdoors podcast, The Outdoorsman's. All you have to do is enter your email address. Again, go to westernhunter.net forward slash jscott. Enter your email address once it, you go to the prompt, 
and uh, one person is going to win a $1,500 credit towards any Swarovski product. I want to thank Western Hunter and Elk Hunter Magazines for their support. I uh, also want to thank Phonescope.com. If you go to Phonescope.com, uh, you get 10% off if you mention the J. Scott Outdoors podcast. Uh, also, if you go to the Outdoorsman's or call the Outdoorsman's at 1-800-291-8065, uh, if you call the Outdoorsman's or you go on uh, their website, use the J. Scott promo code, uh, you're going to get 10% off all products at the Outdoorsman's as well. Uh, also want to thank Utah Hydrographics, and there's a two-tiered system of uh, a discount. Um, you can go to Utah Hydrographics, check it all out. You can get any, they can dip anything in ver Kuyu Verde camo or virtually any camo pattern out there. Um, and uh, there's substantial discounts by using the J. Scott promo code and also Wilderness Athlete. Um, proud to uh, have Wilderness Athlete as a sponsor. And if you use the J. Scott promo code, you get a 10% discount. So, guys, without those sponsors, this podcast wouldn't be possible. I appreciate uh, you guys uh, supporting them. I get feedback from my sponsors every day. Uh, how much support you are giving them and for that I appreciate it uh, also uh, I would love I love getting feedback every day from the listeners you can email me at jscottoutdoors at gmail.com uh, I'm going to be uh, launching uh, several episodes where I'm answering uh, the listeners questions I've already done uh, one briefly and uh, I've got great response from that so jscottoutdoors at gmail.com send me any questions or anybody you want to hear on the podcast uh, I get uh, multiple emails Facebook messages Instagram messages text phone calls every day from listeners and uh, that's just awesome I thrive on that uh, I want to make this podcast the most informative and educational uh, experience that I can uh, if I don't know the answer to it, I will find someone that does, and we will get to the bottom of it together. I just want to thank all of you guys for um, just just unbelievable support. Uh, thank you so much. Uh, make sure to go to jscottoutdoors.com. That website is uh, uh, under construction right now, but you can kind of see all the different things that Craig Steele at CS Creativity is doing. Uh, he's uh, revamping and centralizing everything. So it's basically you can go to jscottoutdoors.com. You'll be able to click on Instagram, my YouTube channel, my Facebook page, uh, all my different blogs, uh, right? And, and of course, uh, this podcast. Um, you can listen to the podcast right on the website. You can link out to iTunes. You can link out to Podbean. Um, so it's, uh, he's doing a great job and, uh, there'll be more and more content put on there as the days go by. So make sure to check out jscottoutdoors.com. Also, um, I'm, I'm making a transition in Facebook, um, to posting content on the J Scott Outdoors business page. So just go to J Scott, type in J Scott Outdoors, come like my Facebook page. Uh, I'm maxed out on my personal page and um, we're moving all, uh, pretty much all the content uh, over to J. Scott Outdoors business page. Guys, again, thanks for your support. Uh, I, I hope you really enjoy this four-part series with Jason Phelps of Phelps Game Calls. But now I'll show you kind of, and you should be able to hear the inflection 
of when I start to add voice into the middle of this clean note. It just adds a little more realistic sound to it um, and, uh, you know, kind of ties everything together. But you're, you're just basically reversing what you're doing on the cow call. You're adding a little more air volume across it. You're still kind of applying loose pressure, and you're adding pressure as you uh, uh, put air across that reed. And don't you think I, you brought up a good point? I mean, uh, you know, when elk calls first came out and, and all the packaging, you know, you, you would hear or read that, you know, you want to go grr or you want to, you know, and I think that's why you get most people that you hear out in the woods going and then, you know, yep. then they go into a high pitch. Whereas I totally uh, agree with you on the clean front end and then into the growly voice is a much more realistic sound because in essence, um, I've never thought that the growl at the front end was very realistic. Yeah. Um, most bulls, you know, they kind of hit into their high pitch where I'm from. Most bulls kind of hit into their high pitch and then, you know, growl and chuckle and do all of that at the end. And I think that's, in my opinion, one real disservice that the original, you know, nothing against these guys, but the original guys uh, thought that, you know, growl at the beginning. And I think that has screwed up a lot of people's elk calling. What do you think? I, I agree. And, you know, I'm not going to lie there for, you know, up until probably five years ago, I was that same guy. I would growl at the beginning and then, uh, I'm not going to hide the fact that I'm kind of a nerd at this stuff. And, you know, watching your, you know, watching, you know, Steve's videos, watching all the hunting videos, all the real elk, uh, pulling from my real hunting experience. I'm like, man, I just don't think the video of me, making that call and then listening to, you know, to a real bull respond, just, it's, it's not right. And so I, I basically, you know, just through tons of, of listening to elk, I was like, man, I should probably take that out of the front and, and, and put that voice inflection in the middle. And, uh, you know, it, it would probably be hard to say whether it screwed me up ever or not, but, uh, you know, trying to be the most accurate caller I can, I just decided to, to toss that out of the front end and not, you know, to be honest, it makes calling easier. I don't got to try to growl and then figure out how to get into a clean note. It's just, I can start clean and it's actually easier to, for me to bugle that way. Well, and that was, that was something that I was going to say too, is it actually, I think is pretty hard to, to learn how to do that front growl, which can you kind of demonstrate for me kind of the, the old style, uh, you know, what, what we were taught, you know, 20 years ago to, to sound like, just so if people don't know, can you kind of give me the, uh, you know, the growl to high, high pitch kind of sound that we were taught? Yeah. Yeah. I'll do, I'll do my best. And, uh, hopefully I don't resort back to how I usually call, but I'll, <laughs> I'll try to get that growl at the beginning and then, you know, how one of my old bugles used to sound. Yeah. Okay, and then conversely, do the other side where you do high and then throw in kind of the growl, and people will automatically see that it's a much more realistic sound. Yeah, I mean, that that's that's perfect uh, example of... If you're out there learning how to bugle, uh, and maybe Jason can demonstrate, can you go carry your high pitch on the beginning 
let's let's hear you carry it like as long as you can possibly carry it and then maybe even not even drop off into your growl just maybe just pull it off and just you know even if it's fluty i'm curious if people i think would start out and be able to just really have that clean high pitch and carry it then they can bring it back and add voice inflection but let me hear you just a real high pitch bugle all the way to the end and carry it you know obnoxiously long okay Yeah. I mean, would you agree that if people would learn to hit that high note, hold the high note, it's a lot easier then to learn to come off of it, add voice inflection, add a little growl, and it sounds very realistic. It is. If, if somebody can comfortably hold that high note and not wave back and forth, everything else should be easy. You know, besides a lip ball, once you can do that, everything else should be super easy to add back into it, you know, and you can build on that clean high note. Exactly. For sure. And, uh, and, and to, with you, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say, not to mention, we're, not, we're just talking about the mechanics of calling. Um, we, w regardless of my opinion on the effectiveness of that call out in the elk hunting woods, you know, I think that high pitch is, is way more effective than some of that growling stuff that we do, you know, at the beginning or the end or wherever you put it. I think that, you know, in, in my opinion and experience, that high note gets, gets the response, carries better and, and typically gets you, you know, better reactions. Okay, Jason, while you have your uh, bugle tube out and, and your call that you like to bugle with, um, I'd like for you to go into a little bit more uh, advanced sounds. Um, and let's hear some of that Roosevelt chuckling, um, which, which I think in, in my mind adds all the realism in the world um, and makes, you know, in, in, in my mind, it makes uh, a good caller, a great caller. It makes a caller in the woods that sounds like an, you know, someone that doesn't sound like an elk to someone that, you know, sounds like an elk. Walk me through some of your chuckling and some of the different little, uh, you know, tricks with your bugle that you use on an everyday basis. Okay. Yeah. And uh, I'm not going to try to get in, you know, some a lot of people have got into the sounds and what they mean. I typically, I make it easy on myself and my strategies just basically mimic, you know, and, and I do believe there's a difference whether we call one chuckles, one grunts, um, but they are kind of a different sound. So a typical chuckle, in my opinion, is more of a knock. It doesn't have that deep, thumpy uh, elk tone to it, but it's more of a uh, kind of almost like an ape-like sound. Um, so to add a chuckle onto the call, it's really about cadence and it's really about getting the inhale and exhale. Um, you know, that's the one downfall to a lot of these external bugle um, calls is that you can't inhale back through the call. So you end up getting a one-dimensional, um, you know, chuckle or grunt, uh, which isn't always needed. But, to, you know, it's just trying to add all this realism in, and be able to make every sound, um, you know, that, that, that the elk that I'm trying to call in makes. So here's, here's what a, a typical bugle would sound like with a chuckle on the end. It's a little more rapid cadence. It's a little bit faster. Now I'm going to do the same exact bugle, but with a grunt on the end. And this is my typical um, style is the typically grunt. And, and I'm really a, a, a temperamental caller. I'm trying to, to read the scenario, kind of take the temperature of that bull. And in my opinion, once I can get to the level where I can grunt, it, it's kind of turning the heat up. But this is what a grunt, it's a lot deeper. It's more of a, an, an elk noise. Um, you know, of course the chuckle is because they just, you know, they do it too, but it's, it's got a little more tone to it. So here's what a deep grunt, 
um, sounds like. slower cadence uh, a little deeper a little bit more drawn out and uh you know it's just my style i don't know why i developed it or where you know on my second grunt's always longer than my first one the first one's kind of like a little a little short or three-quarter grunt and then i kind of slowly you know step down in intensity and length and you kind of you know you're not running it out to zero but you're kind of slowly you know um you're making them shorter and uh, less aggressive and less volume towards the end um what tube is that that you're using? Because I believe you make your own tubes as well. Yeah, it's 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 my locatable. I've got a new version that I hope to have out here in the next few months. And you know, I make I make no you know lies. I don't. Everything's transparent. It's they are basically I would buy um, bats in the quantities of a hundred dozen at a time. You know, so I have twelve hundred, and then I just basically modify them to my exact liking. I've played around with them enough. Um, tried different um, end diameters, um, different ways to treat it, different styles of tape, um, rubber dampening compounds. And so I just, you know, basically came up with a style that provided the right amount of back pressure for me. And uh, so, yeah, it is my tube that I, we sell on the website there. But, um, you know, I, I'm not going to lie. It's, it's a modified wiffle bat to, to my, my specifications, I guess. Yeah, but when you say modified, it's like you've messed around with it. You've probably gone through a hundred bats just to get it all right and get it, you know, get the exact texture and length yeah. and and cuts and you know sound, you know, get it to sound that way. Yeah. So it's, you know, you make it sound simple, but I guarantee you, just go buy a wiffle ball bat. It ain't gonna be the same. No, no, and uh, I always joke with my wife. She sometimes gets a a wild hair to go out and help me clean up my garage, and I have a, a boneyard of. Uh, uh, bats that I've just, you know, a big, big, huge bin. And she tries to throw, I was like, don't, do not throw those away. They're, they're, that's they're still a work yeah. in progress. <laughs> there's, there's research in there that if I, I try to figure out, you know, what I did at one time or other things that I've tried, I want to, I want to go back. But, um, you know, uh, on top of the chuckling and grunting, um, one of the, you know, and I've always kind of joked, um, for where I hunt, a lot of bulls don't lip bowl. Now I know just from watching videos and, and trying to be a student of all elk, you guys get a lot of bulls that do, um, basically, you know, what we call lip ball, or they've got that sputter in their bugle from the start. And, and you may be able to tell me better on percentage wise, you know, how many bulls do it, but it seems to be a high percentage, um, that do a lip ball. Well, I think, for me, the more that they get into the rut and the more that they really get cranked up, the more that they really get lip balling. I think, you know, I think it's just they're frothing at the mouth and they're so worked up that, you know, they it, it, it's almost like if you watch two guys fight, you know, they're they're They all of a sudden, you know, their voice changes and they just are, you know, so worked up that they're, you know, that sometimes their voice is all hoarse and frothy and, yep. you know, they, they, in essence, they can't really control <laughs> uh, their vocal cords and they just go crazy. I remember the first time that Steve Chappell um, lip bulb for me, I just shook my head and said, man, that, that's, that's exactly what they sound like. Yep. Um, give us a demonstration of that and then maybe tell us how you're doing that. Okay. I typically hold it a little bit tighter. Some guys, you know, have a little bit of looser lip ball, but basically we're still running the call the same. 
you're just sputtering your lips. If you put your lips as tight as together as you can, and I'm going to do it without the call, and basically force the air through it fast enough to sputter your lips, we're basically spitting into the tube. And so I'll do the same thing with outer lead into the tube. And really what you're doing is you're, you're, you're requiring that tube to resonate in the lip ball. Yeah, you're going to sputter your lips, so the call is going to be, you know, um, you know, ungulate back and forth. But yeah, you're just basically playing the same call, but sputtering your lips in a tight enough fashion to force the air through. And then the hardest part for me when I was learning was the transition in and out of it without just killing the call. Um, yeah, so here's a here's a typical, uh, you know, full lip ball. I always add it in early into the call and then transition out. Some guys will start it from the very beginning. I'm just more comfortable kind of winding my way into it and then carrying on. It just seems to activate easier. And then some guys add it at the very end. But here, here's one more time, my typical lip ball. You know, one thing that I just observed in that last chuckle that I think I it's I think needs to be pointed out is, and maybe you can do it again. In that chuckle, you actually are chuckling with a high pitch, meaning you're throwing voice inflection into it, but maybe you could demonstrate it again and people could listen. And if, if the listener could actually catch what he's doing here, where you hear people chuckle and they don't hit that a quarter second high pitch. Do you know what I'm saying, Jason? Yeah. yeah and that's, uh, I don't know if we didn't catch it earlier. Like on my chuckle, I don't add that kind of what you're alluding to now. And like I said, we can call it whatever we want and it might just be a naming convention thing, but I've always kind of assumed that the chuckle was without that high pitch. And then my grunts, I kind of add in more of that thump with the high note that you're talking about, but I'll do them. Yeah. I'll do the one with the high note again, which is what I call a grunt. And then I'll go into, I'll do a chuckle right after that. I'll do a, a one or two second okay. pause and then chuckle. <laughs> Here's a chuckle. Gotcha there. So what you're saying is the chuckle is a more ape-like, just a, <laughs> yeah. and the grunt is more of that sharp, deep, yeah. high pitch, low pitch, high pitch, low pitch. Yeah. Um, both are very, very realistic. But I would say being able to grunt what you call grunt and have that high to low if you can master that, that is really, really elky. I think a lot yeah. of people have a little bit of trouble getting that high pitch um, in their chuckle yeah, it, or in their grunt, what you call a grunt. Yeah, and you know, a lot of the guys that I get emails or messages or texts from, that I'm not gonna lie, that's probably the number one question. How do you do that? How, you know, they've either listened to me call on a on a hunt or you know, at a, at a seminar and I get home and it's like, well, how did you grunt? You know, my grunts, I, you know, and a lot of these guys can, they're great callers, they're great high pitch callers, but, you know, trying to tie that cadence, the inhale, the exhale and everything together to get that grunt, um, you know, is tough for some guys. But I, like you had just said, I think, and, and that's why I tried to, you know, I worked on that a lot is just, I think it adds a ton of realism. And in the heat of the moment, I think it adds some of that uh, aggression to my, to my calling. Well, and it adds realism. Yep. So you guys that hunt a lot of Rosies, Roosevelt's, for people out there that don't know, Roosevelt's are known for doing a lot of chuckling. 
And some Roosevelt's are known for basically just chuckling and jump in where you want, Jason. But, um, you know, I, I know some guys that live in your neck of the woods and they're all great chucklers and what you would call grunners, great chucklers. Yep. Is that because you're Roosevelt's because, you know, you hear that a lot. And so you just, you know, by nature, you have you want to mimic that um those sounds yeah i mean that's we we don't really you know we don't uh we have view as a chuckle or a grunt like you said as bugling you know it, they're all tied together and it wasn't until i kind of got into competition calling and listened to some of the judges critiques that you chuckle or grunt too much I was like, well, that's all you know to me it's all the same but and i may even be low but i would venture to guess that 85 to 90 percent of every elk interaction i've had here um, you know, with Roosevelt's, Costa Roosevelt's have chuckled or grunted um, in some form or fashion, very rarely. And if you don't get it one time, you'll get it the, on the very next bugle. You know, it's very rarely that you run into a bull that just will not, uh, you know, grunt or chuckle somewhere during his routine or, or the call-in. But would you agree with your interaction with Roosevelt's compared to Rocky Mountain Elk um, that they do tend to chuckle a lot more? Yeah, yeah, correct. I mean... Yeah, I, I don't even want to throw a number at Rocky Mountain Bulls. You, I mean, you do get a lot of them that will chuckle or grunt at you, but it's not near the magnitude of uh, of the, the the Coastal Roosevelt. Yeah, they for sure. Yep. Yeah. Uh, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I was gonna say I don't know. I don't necessarily know the reason. You know, the the terrain's different and stuff. I it might just be a, a species thing. You know, that's kind of ingrained in them. But uh, yeah, for some reason, it's it's a lopsided. Yeah. Well, it's, it's, uh, it's pretty neat. And, you know, like Casey Brooks and, you know, some of those guys like yourself, you know, that live up there in that country and have heard a lot of Roosevelt's and, you know, quite honestly, guys that can really chuckle and can really grunt, I think have a much better chance when they, you know, start hunting Rocky, Rocky Mountain Elk. I think it sound a lot more realistic, um, uh, my question to you would be when you hear people calling or you get emails and people say, Hey, how do I sound? Or you're out in the woods and you hear, what is the dead giveaway for a hunter's bugle? Air, if they're close enough or I have got a good enough ear to be able to hear and there's not a lot of wind, I can typically hear like air leaking. You know what I mean? You, you get that blow by and I'm like, that's not a clean enough note. Um, you know, or if a lot of these guys are, that's on a diaphragm. If guys are using any of the externals, um, on the chuckle, you can, you know, the, like we're talking chuckle or grunt or the ending, I, I can almost always tell, um, because it's fluty and, and, and high pitch yeah. and it, it's real fluty sound. Yeah. You just can't end it the same way that a normal bull will. And, uh, you know, I, I work on that transition all the time out of my bugle, you know, is, is, as goofy as it sounds, but I, you know, trying to transition out and kind of, you know, play with the air volume and the sound that I'm right at the end of my bugle. A lot of guys will just cut the call off or they'll do some, you know, little wavy, you know, ending. And so if you pay enough attention to that, a lot of times, um, you know, and then there, there are good callers that, that, you know, can trick me. Um, my good buddy, Corey Miller, who runs triple X archery in Rainier, Oregon, we used to hunt the same general area. Uh, when I was growing up and we've called each other in multiple times, but he's a very, very good elk caller that, you know, you can get fooled by very easily. Um, back before we knew each other, we would call each other in quite a bit. 
Um, and then there, I'm not going to lie, there's times where I absolutely refuse to go after an elk and we've called them in and it's been a, a real elk. Uh, you know, um, in, in 2013, um, we, we ended up calling a bull and that I absolutely refused to get called in by somebody. And within five minutes we had him in our lap at 23 yards. Yeah. You know, I hate it when that happens cause you're just sure it's a hunter. And then all of a sudden it's an, it's a real elk and you're like, well, yep. I, I don't know as much as I think I know, <laughs> you know? Yep. Yep. And then my, you know, my hunting partner, one of the guys I hunt with a lot for elk, a lot of, I'm pretty fortunate. A lot of my my hunting partners are good elk callers, but guys like Charlie Smith, if now that I've hunted with him enough, uh, I know that it's his bugle, but he would fool 99.9% of the guys all the time, every time, you know, his chuckles are just good enough. His transitions are good enough. And, uh, once you get 50 yards away from him in the timber and you start bouncing sound off of trees and brush, you just, you can't tell. Um, you know, so it's just, I think transitions and endings is the dead giveaway just because I've heard so many real elk that, you know, haven't sounded good anywhere else. Jason, you doing all right? Yeah. Yeah, we're good. My glass of water is getting low, but I'm good right now. <laughs> okay. Um, we're at 60 minutes now, so we're, I'm probably going to break this into a two part series. So if you don't mind, if we can go for another 30 minutes or so, yeah. um, you know, we'll just go and talk about some different stuff. Uh, I want you to do the external reading stuff too. So, yeah. um, you're all right time wise. Yeah, we're good. I'm, I've got another hour free for sure. So Okay. Sounds good. All right. Um, Jason, um, we've talked about the mechanics of making a cow sound. We've talked about the mechanics of a bugle. You've talked about grunts and chuckles. Um, another thing that, uh, you do very, very well and you make a great external read call or open read call. Um, I would like you to walk me through and the listeners uh, how they would get this external read. Do you call it external or open read? Yeah, oh, both I, interchangeably. Externals open. Um, okay. Yep. And, and basically, you can describe it, but it's it's a it's a mylar read of some sort uh, on a on a plastic soundboard and you know you've either got you know plastic or synthetic uh, barrel or a wood barrel, um, depending on, you know, what call it is. Yep. Um, can you walk through the, you know, point A to point B on those? Yeah, for sure. I'm going to, I'm going to start off with just a little side note. You know, we use, I use these a lot growing up because they are, they're easier to learn, you know, people that can't run diaphragms or just anybody should have them in their pocket. They're, one of the, the downfalls to an open read call is sticking at the most inopportune time when they get you know, whether people are drinking sugary drinks throughout the hunt, eating a candy bar, a bag of Skittles, and then you go right to blowing on the external, you've now got sugars trapped underneath the mylar reed, in between the plastic, and a lot of times you'll get these things to seize up. Um, one thing, as long as you're not alert, one tip is to dry it very thoroughly, clean it with water, and you can spray some Pam cooking spray on a, on a paper towel and wipe the reed below um, against all the surfaces and then wipe it back off as clean as you can. That will sometimes help prevent these things from sticking and, uh, you know, preventing that. It seems like they always stuck at the, the most inopportune time. Um, yeah, I know it's, it's one of those things you've called for hours and hours and hours. And then all of a sudden you get a bull to answer and he's coming and the dang call sticks. Yep. It, yeah, I, it, probably cause you're sweating a little more at that time. You're, you've, you've made a quick run and, uh, they always seem, 
so that's that's my one my one tip is to you know use Pam cooking spray any any cooking spray there to, to wipe that down. Um, it, it will help, but uh, they're very versatile. On on my calls, I use a wood barrel primarily. We've played around with a little bit of acrylic. Um, the one thing I'm not going to dog acrylic or plastic call makers. Wood has a, in my opinion, a rich tone. It kind of grabs onto that sound, so to speak, and and mellows it down and richens it up. So I've got two different calls here, but we'll we'll first kind of walk through how to how I use them. Um, you know, I use them all the time throughout the hunt. They're a little bit, you know, sometimes I'll locate with them if I'm trying to locate with a cow call. Um, but I, I, my calls include a green band, which basically just prevent damage to the reed. Or if you press down on them, you can actually change the effective length of that reed a little bit. So I would say about a half inch up the tone board, I wrap my top teeth or my top, I wrap my top lip around my teeth as tight as I can. I have a little more control with my lip. I can also call with my teeth. I just can't feel as well, and and I don't have quite as much control over the call. So by wrapping tight, and uh, you know, I would say if you're a new user, wrap them tight enough, you almost cut the call off and don't allow any any sound. And then you've got two options. You can either drop your bottom jaw, which relieves pressure, or a lot of the better callers that have smoother transitions and breakovers will kind of roll into the call and you know drop your bottom jaw at the same time. So by starting about a half inch in, and this is one thing you may want to play with, um, if you're too high, move, put more of the call into your mouth. And if you're too low, when you first start, um, take some of the tone board out of your mouth. So out, you know, pull, pull the call And you're out. talking about pitch. If your pitch is too high or your pitch is yeah. too low, you need to move it in and find the sweet spot. Yeah. So I'll start, I'll do a really high call, for example, which I would want to move in or put the call more in my mouth. So that's really high. Or you can go the conversely. If I put too much of the call and too much of the reed in my mouth, it'll it'll start without that high note. So that's really deep. You want to kind of find the balance. So if you get in the middle and then get the breakover. So you play with that. And effectively what you're doing is wherever your lip touches that call, your top lip's applying pressure. To, I And that's another thing. I blow... Uh, my calls with the mylar reed up. Some guys love to blow with it down. I just don't have as much control, but it's really a user preference. Um, Wouldn't you say like 90% of the people blow with the mylar up? Yeah, I would say 90, but there's some, you know, there's the other 10 percenters. I've heard some of them that are really good with it down. So, you know, kind of, kind of find your own. Most guys just have more control with the mylar reed up. Um, and so what, how this call is actually working is wherever you stop or pinch that call down with your upper lip or teeth or whatever you're using, you're allowing that mylar, it vibrates very, very quickly. Well, by shorting in it, shortening it up, you get a higher pitch. As you roll into it or um, decrease pressure, you're basically effectively lengthening that, and that's how you get the breakover. Um, so, you know, I would say, uh, and there are good callers that do it both ways, I would say your better, more realistic external callers roll into the call instead of drop their bottom jaw. So this is a typical call where you roll in, and then I'll show you when you drop off, and there may not be a difference. I have to, I basically have to cut a little bit of air off when I start to drop my bottom jaw, or the call, I'll lose the call and it'll get too deep. So that's why I think you can get a little more whiny 
and hold on to that call and have more control if you roll into it because you're never really letting that pressure. You're just kind of walking up the tone board. Whereas if you're letting off pressure, there's no way to, to kind of hold on to that tone. Okay, and, and would you agree that the guys that probably blow this call the best are not sliding the call in and out in their mouth? They're keeping it more at a fixed rate using their, their lip pressure um, once they find that sweet spot? Yep. Yeah, I mean, not necessarily. I, I say more of rolling. They almost, you watch them, they almost tip the barrel up. If, you know, yeah. they, it's not, they're keeping it in the same spot by just by rotating that barrel up, you're, you're kind of taking that tone board um, off of, off of your, you know, off of your top lip and, and, you know, making that, that break over. And then I also wanted to show, I have two calls here, exact same tone board, exact same cut of the reed. And I want to kind of show why I like wood. If somebody, you know, messages me and says, I want a high pitch call. I've got an Australian burl, which is probably twice as hard as my normal easy estrus. And I'm just going to show you the compare and contrast, just the sound difference that the barrel makes. Um, so first, I will do the call I've been using, which is just my my normal easy estrus off the website. Versus here's an Australian burl, which is probably twice as dense as that call. It's just, you know, same thing with acrylic. That, that, that denser wood just kind of sucks up some of the sound, makes it a little bit harsher and a little higher pitched. Um, so that's one of the beauties of working with wood is just by changing the wood or the species, I can effectively change change the call with the exact same tune on the tone board. When that wood, um, you know, where I live is really, really dry, where you live is is wet. When the wood gets wet, does it change the sound? It should. If I do my job right, it shouldn't. Um, the, you know, the easy estrus we use is a is an epoxy impregnated wood, so we still get the sound quality. But um, I have one of the very first. Uh, calls I made out of that out of the laminate uh, hanging off my front porch still and the, the lanyard's about ready to rot through but the call itself wood wise um, still looks really good and actually hasn't even split from all the drying and getting wet and you know so some of these things should be locked up pretty tight if I finish them correctly but uh, we have had some calls you know that that'll get wet and split and uh, you know we usually we'll take care of you if that happens but hopefully you know we shouldn't get a whole lot of uh, swelling or change in the in that barrel let's hear um with that external call let's hear some some of your advanced calling and some of the sounds that uh you know that you can make uh one of the things i like about an external read call is you can get really really nasally um and you can make a wide a wide variety of sounds um so let's hear some of those yeah, yeah so in my everyday or my, you know, during hunting season, one of the main cow calls I, I use over a, a normal mew or is, is an estrus wine. It, it's, you know, it's that time of year. I'm really trying to paint a picture that I'm a, I'm a cow in heat or approaching heat. And so I, I use an estrus wine a lot, which is a, you can do it on a diaphragm easy, but I really love doing it on this external. You get, like you had mentioned, you get that nasally whiny, needy sound. You know, and everybody says that I've never heard an elk do that. And you know, the very few, and, and you got to be there at the right time. But um, just from my experience, that sound alone is is very, very effective. It's just that needy, whiny, pleading sound. Um, 
You know, and then I use a lot of calf talk. That's about as crazy as I get on my external. I know guys like you and Steve are, you know, probably, you know, for sure more talented on externals than I am. Um, you know, do a little bit more with it. But I basically stick to my normal muse and then that estrus wine. Um, and it, it does calf talk fairly well when you find the right spot on the tone board. And here's my typical calf, just real short. But, you know, typically I'd say 95% of the calling I do on my external is either a loud locator mew or a, an, an estrus wine. Let's hear your loud locator mew. <coughs> you know, it's a, a little, I try to emphasize and, and hold on to that, that uh, end and just try to get it as loud as possible, um, you know, trying to get a bull to respond. And yeah, I'm not gonna lie, 90, and I know we hunt completely different areas and different strategies. 95% of the time I, I am locating with a bugle tube and, and trying to hit that high pitch locator. But there are times and instances where it's more just, uh, you know, gut feeling, uh, we'll use a use that call to locate or a loud diaphragm cow call to locate with. And uh, we've, we've had some decent success with it. Or if we think we heard, like maybe heard some cows chirping, we may respond with that rather than going right into a bugle. Sure. Just depending on what the situation dictates. Yep. Um, it always interests me a couple things, the width of the mylar and the thickness of the mylar and have you played around with multiple mylars and why are most, this is like 4,000 questions in one. <laughs> um, as a tinkerer, have you messed with all sorts of mylars, all thicknesses and all uh, widths? I have. And what have, what have you found? I have. I've, I've played with, you know, 10 thousandths, uh, natural 14 thousandths. I've tried some 17 thousandths green, 10 thousandths black, clear. Um, they, they, if there was a difference in it, there, it was so in the same thicknesses, in my opinion, if the thickness is the same, the sound may be slightly different, but it wasn't enough to my ear, um, to mess with it. Now, as you get thicker, you, you basically, we had talked uh, earlier about your, your vibrating a weight. So a thicker mylar typically is harder to activate and to get vibrating once you start. So you, which also requires a little more air. So a thicker, if I have the same exact cut, but a thicker mylar, say a 10 thousandths worth of 14 thousandths, it's going to be a little bit louder of a call. Now that on the same exact tone board, they should sound the same. Um, now, now say we stay with a 10 thousandths late, uh, piece of mylar on two different reeds, but say one's a really skinny reed, like I run on 90% of my cow calls versus say a, a flared wider reed, you're still adding weight. But you're, you're adding weight to the, t but you're still going to get an easy activation, but then that call is going to be deeper because as you rock forward or as you allow that thing to activate, you're vibrating more weight. So it will be slightly louder. It'll still activate easy, but give you that deeper tone. Um, yeah, and I've played with double reads and, and, uh, I'm giving, I'm not going to give away any trade secrets here at all. Not, I'm not, I'm not scared <laughs> to give it, but I always thought with the sticking issue, I didn't, I wanted one read out at the end, but I thought, well, what if I put a short read underneath that just barely comes out the ledge? Would that help almost like springboard effect, you know, almost be like a spring to help that read yeah. back up. 
And we played around with that a lot and it was going to require a change to some, some tooling and a mold. And we eventually abandoned that and it made it really hard to assemble calls because the, the, that five eights was set up for a Jack. What time is it? Bull killing time. What time is it? Bull killing time. I didn't hear you the first two times. What time it's is it? Bull killing time till the sun goes down. Awesome. All right. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs>